0: the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we will be taking a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. Today's discussion will focus around current cattle market conditions and the outlook for cattle prices as we move on through 2020. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Jim Robb, who's a Senior Agricultural Economist at the Livestock Market Information Center based in Lakewood, Colorado. Thanks for joining me today, Jim. Thank you for inviting me, Aaron. Jim, as we record this podcast, we're sitting here in early January. We've closed the year on 2019, it's behind us. Share with us your perspective on some things that were driving the market as we closed out 2019, and some things we should be paying attention to now as we move on through 2020.
1: Well, 2019, especially for cow cap producers and cattle feeders, was a disappointing year. Um, 2019, we had some challenges uh, on the international trade side. We did not get quite as much boost as anticipated from the African swine fever issues in China and the potential for exports there. And uh, we had quite a bit of competing meat in the domestic marketplace. We had cull cow prices very depressed due to three main factors. We had large levels of beef cow slaughter, huge levels of dairy cow slaughter especially early in the year and those two combined with a lack of slaughter capacity to process all those animals and the the next factor depressing prices with rather large imports of manufacturing great beef coming out of australia especially and some other parts of the world and that australia story is very much tied to their ongoing drought and the fires etc that have uh, really caused huge liquidation in their cattle herd. So that uh, caused more beef to come to the U.S. too. So 2019, in terms of cow-calf returns, was one of the most disappointing in several years. And it was in the red for most producers. But there's some changing dials, I guess, as we look ahead to 2020. Um, there's always challenges in the industry, um, drought and snow, et cetera, and economic conditions. Um, But we don't expect some of the same things to materialize again. We expect maybe the international trade side is a little bit better. And importantly, the slaughter numbers, the beef cow herd in the U.S. is starting to shrink. It started that trend in 2019 and will probably gain momentum some in 2020. So we're no longer pushing more and more beef into the domestic marketplace. That's a positive. We don't expect, at least offhand, another fire to hit at a packing plant in Western Kansas that really disrupted the industry in late 2019. So from a supply side perspective, 2020 shapes up a little bit better than 2019. And the big uncertainty in 2020 is huge amounts of pork and chicken are still coming new production into the marketplace. And how much of that can we export? And, and if the economy slows down in the U.S. or the rest of the world in late 2020, it's going to put some pressure on the beef market where we have all that competing meat in the marketplace. In 2019, we produced a lot of competing meats, but the U.S. economy was strong enough, Aaron, that uh, we really swam our way through all that massive amount of beef, pork, and chicken in the marketplace. And we'll, you know, that's really the question mark for 2020 is, Uh, we're expecting we can do that again, but it's always a little bit iffy when it comes to the big picture of international trade and the domestic marketplace.
0: You know, looking at some figures you share in terms of looking at the amount of meat that's available and meat that needs to be consumed by the American consumer, projecting we're going to consume almost 225 pounds of total meat, that would be chicken, poultry, and beef as we look at 2020. That's a Pretty large amount of meat to uh, for us to eat our way through, so to speak. How do you see that impacting the market as we continue to move forward?
1: Well, we uh, we ask each consumer in the U.S. if you know after we take production, uh, less exports plus imports and population growth and a little bit of changes in cold storage, we asked each person in the U.S. last year, 2019, to eat about five pounds more of total red meat and poultry. That's a huge increase. We expect the number, if our export forecasts are right, and maybe we'll do better, but about one to one and a half pounds more in 2020. So we set a good a good standard there in 2019, even though the cattle market did not hold together great, nor did the hog market as good as anticipated, nor the poultry market. We We really worked our way through that amount of product. And as you mentioned, we're expecting a little bit more here in 2020 now the question mark is is you know this is really dependent especially on the beef side of working through the the competing meats is how strong the US economy is and how much we can export and you know those are the as we mentioned before a bit of the wild cards but if the US economy stays strong there's consumers especially younger consumers have shown a real affinity for eating beef both at home and in restaurants so any slippage in the US economy becomes a a bit of a headwind. And uh, with all that competing meat in the marketplace that's priced at lower levels than beef is across the board, um, that's kind of the uncertainty. So we can swim through that increased tonnage if, you know, the economy remains good, unemployment remains low, the people are optimistic about the future, and we can always get a little bit of help from the export markets to help whittle away. And you know, we're hoping for some more of that export market potential in 2020, especially for pork and, and chicken. Uh, again, if those don't materialize, that's kind of the, the question mark. We think overall, though, on the beef side, um, when we look just at beef as that overall total red meat and poultry component, we'll be producing less beef in 2020 per person. Or we'll be asking each consumer in the U.S. to eat less beef if exports remain rather strong. We expect imports of beef to decline in 2020 on a year-over-year basis. And then with population growth, we're going to have less beef per capita to work our way through in 2020 than we did in 2019. So that's a bit of the good news and the bad news in that big red meat and poultry picture.
0: So you think about this cold cow slaughter situation, obviously had a lot of cows as you mentioned coming to market this fall and it'll be interesting to see what the USDA's projection is in terms of cow numbers as we get those coming out here in late January but it sure seems like we had a lot of cows going to slaughter less heifers being retained as we think about the heifer to steer ratio that's in feed yards right now so the sure trend would be that cow numbers are on the decrease as you kind of project out and see where we're at What are your perspectives on what we might see with this cow herd as we move through 2020?
1: Well, you know, we had large levels of both cow and heifer slaughter, as you mentioned, year-over-year increases in 2019, but those were large levels in 2018. So rather clearly, um, the U.S. cow herd, beef cow herd, and dairy cow herd have shrunk here in 2019. Based on the slaughter data that we have to date and some of our assumptions on heifer retention rates, and et cetera. we would put the overall January 1, 2020 U.S. beef cow herd down about seven-tenths of a percent year over year. So we'll call it a range of down half a percent to down one percent. That's a pretty significant decline. And, you know, we, we really had some trouble, Aaron. I think getting some of the cows bred up, we had quite a few open cows. We had quite a few, you know, first calf heifers that did not rebreed. So those were in the slaughter mix and, and, you know, the economic conditions out in the country and the 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 droughts we had in some parts of the U.S. and the flooding in other parts of the U.S. and winter weather we had in other parts of the U.S. really all came together with a, a smaller calf crop being produced in 2019 than 2018. So, you know, we think those numbers are rather clear. And from a cyclical perspective, that's not overly unusual it's probably a little bit early in the normal cattle cycle to have the liquidation start but uh, clearly from the data we've uh, entered that phase and so that again that supply side the total number of cattle is is moderating now cattle weights overall will be above last year 2019 and late 2018 were really tough years on a lot of cattle feeders with muddy lots and and snowy conditions and winter weather that didn't want to go away in some parts of cattle feeding country, especially for example in eastern Nebraska and Iowa and eastern Kansas, you know we had probably one of the toughest cattle feeding years on record. So we think 2020 will be better. It's so far it's already better on the mother nature front, and and uh, so the cattle weights will be up compared to a year ago. But overall beef production probably just increases slightly in 2020. Again, when we take that all to a per capita basis, it'll be down a little bit. So that inventory level's important. Um, producers should think about that supply side, but we've also learned a lot in the last few decades that the demand side of the marketplace is really important, whether that be domestic demand or foreign demand exports. And uh, probably the key to 2020 is that demand profile and how that shapes up as we move through the year.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the feed side in terms of what you see happening with forage and, and the grain as we look at cattle feeding. What are some things you think might shape the market as we move again on into the rest of 2020? You mentioned a little bit some drought that's uh, occurred in parts of the U.S., and obviously we're a little ways away from spring yet, but those are some things that could influence this market as well. Give some perspective on that.
1: Well, absolutely, and remember last year we had a very difficult time getting the U.S. corn crop planted due to conditions being too wet and uh, so there's always a lot of unknowns but uh, we look ahead to this year uh, you know corn prices were up a little bit in 2019 probably some incentive to plant a few more acres of corn and a few fewer acres of soybeans but some of the unplanted acres of 2019 will probably get planted in 2020 at least if mother nature cooperates which mother (laughs) nature did not do last year so on the corn side, we see unfortunately for corn farmers for prices to be uh, lower as we move towards uh, the crop getting in the ground and then growing season if it's normal in 2020, we should have a bigger corn crop, which will put some pressure on corn prices and and that'll be somewhat supportive of cattle feeders being able to bid for calves and yearlings come the late summer and, and fall of 2020. On the hay side, the market's a little more difficult to call it's a we've had some uh, real struggles putting up quality hay in a lot of the u.s and really the last two years and so the hay stocks and hay supplies which we will get some data very near term at the end of this week in fact on december 1 u.s hay stocks but those are very modest so we don't have a lot of carryover hay out in the country we expect maybe hay acres will be up a little bit Mother Nature always has a lot to say, especially about those prairie hays and grass hays, about how much we can get cut and put up. But the hay market looks maybe to remain kind of relatively tight compared to the, maybe some of the uh, traditional feed grains, et cetera. So we want to keep an eye on that. We want to keep an eye on pasture and range conditions as we move into the new year, as we get into the springtime demand for calves to go to summer grazing programs. Um, there's a lot ahead in this market, and uh, I think the, you know typically uh, the whipsaws that can come, we saw it last year, 2019. Um, we had that run up in the corn market uh, with the planting problems, et cetera, and the futures market reflected that early. And we ran up corn about a dollar per bushel. And in economic terms, that translate on average, which nothing's ever average. But on average, over the long pole, that $1 per bushel run up in corn caused calf prices, five to six weight steer calf prices in most of the U.S. to decline by $10 per hundredweight. So corn up a dollar per bushel, calves down $10 per hundredweight. And that's exactly what happened in the summer of 2019 that really did cause some weakening in the calf market, which carried over. and and was perpetuated by the fire and some of the other problems in late 2019. But we're just getting back to uh, where that's behind us now in the marketplaces, corn prices um, are not quite the factor that they were. So watching that uh, feedstuff side is very important, especially in terms of calf and yearling prices.
0: When we look at the production side in terms of cow cost, um, that's a number that I think is challenging for producers as well. We've seen a little bit of softening, I think, in terms of pasture prices across much of the U.S., certainly in Nebraska from the highs we saw that probably came in 2015, 2016, following the record prices cow-calf producers received in that fall of 2014, early 15. What's your thoughts in terms of where you see cow costs going across the U.S., and are we going to see some things happen to maybe bring these numbers back a little bit from where we've
1: been? Well, they may come back a little bit uh, the, you know, these ca- cow costs are still very high compared to, as you well know, Aaron, compared to 10 years ago or so the added boost we're going to get, or benefit we're going to get in 2020 is that interest costs are down compared to a year ago and compared to a couple years ago. So the, the interest rates and the interest costs are moderating for now. It's not a huge cost for cow-cow producers, but it is significant. Um, as you mentioned, we could see uh, uh, some pasture rental rates are certainly not going up across the U.S. at the rate that they were, and some places have moderated some. Um, and some of our feedstuff costs have moderated depending on what a producer is doing. We've seen some real volatility in distillers' dry grains prices, and corn prices, and, and cottonseed meal prices, and soybean meal prices. So depending on what a producer has done, there's been some opportunities to maybe take advantage of some of those swings and those lower prices. Uh, but we don't see a huge drop in terms of cost of production, you know, uh, even on, on the cash cost side. But um, the, we're not seeing the rate of increase in cash costs of production for cow-calf operations that we have seen in recent years. So that maybe gives us a little bit of breathing room as these calf prices pick up As if we they materialize, as we expect, and uh, causes uh, our returns over cash costs to improve compared to the negative, the red ink posted for many producers in 2019 across the U.S. to improve rather significantly in 2020.
0: As you think about the cow herd also, when you think about these cow costs, you mentioned negative returns in 2019. Uh, Livestock Market Information Center projected kind of negative returns as well in 2018. Are we in a situation here where we may be seeing some cow-calf producers who, because of where they're at in terms of their age, because of the really tough winter we had last year saying, you know what, I think it's time to let someone else own the cows. I'm going to rent the pasture out. It's time for me to transition out of ownership of cows. As you look at the states you're involved with, as you start to have your ear to the ground, what are the things you're hearing in terms of producers who may be exiting the business right now?
1: Well, it's always a, you know, it's always a transition in this industry. It's a, you know, one where, uh, you know, we have quite a few open cows, open heifers. Um, We have Mother Nature threw us some real curveballs, especially the Northern Plains last year when the snows came right at calving time. And we had a couple rounds of that in many areas of the U.S. And, you know, there's there's some disheartened producers across cow-calf country, but In the short term here, over the last few weeks, I think there's, as I've traveled around and spoken to various audiences over the last month or so, there's a little bit of improvement, a little bit of, you know, we've made it through, although it was a tough year in 2019. And people are always looking ahead in this industry. But, you know, uh, multi-generational operations are making some of those transitions you mentioned. And, you know, in some areas, especially in Montana and the Pacific Northwest, I get to more of that discussion with producers after the the series of uh, Mother Nature events in 2019 than I've had in some other parts of the U.S. The drought in the southeastern U.S. was getting pretty significant and into Texas last fall, caused quite a bit of culling of open animals and for the fall calving herds, uh, you know, some adjustments going on. Um, but that drought has uh, dissipated pretty significantly over the last three or four weeks. And so uh, a lot of the mood in cow-calf country depends on pasture and range conditions, and, and we'll have to see how the year develops. But another year like 2019, I think the uh, scenario that you painted, the picture you painted there, will become c- more to the fore. But uh, I guess we're kind of hoping that to Mother Nature is a little kinder in uh, 2020.
0: Anything else you'd like to highlight, Jim, as we point towards wrapping up in terms of issues or things that producers should be paying attention to as we move through the rest of 2020?
1: You know, we're looking very closely at this time for some of the producers are starting to push a hard pencil on summer grazing programs and buying calves. And and uh, we've seen a nice run up in the last few days in the futures prices, uh, the feeder cattle contracts, uh, much like we did last year. And we learned last year that we missed some real opportunities to lock in the futures uh, for the feeder cattle contract in August and September last year, got up to over $160 per hundredweight. We're about 155 now, uh, but that was well better than people actually could receive or did receive as we actually got to August, September and October of 2019. And you know there were some unexpected events in there too. We have some opportunities here to look at this market. We look at the first six months of 2020, our estimated returns for cattle feeders are quite positive. So as we get into the second half of 2020, probably cattle feeders will be feeling pretty darn good about their closeouts, probably six consecutive months of positive closeouts for cattle feeders. So we start heading into the time frame where they're going to look ahead to buying the calves and yearlings that are produced here in 2020. So we wanna take an honest appraisal of the marketplace and opportunities to uh, look at risk management, but also to, re- to recognize that if corn prices moderate a little bit in 2020, especially if that's the case, we'll have higher calf prices in the fall of 2020 than we did in the fourth quarter of 2019. In fact, our forecasts here at the LMIC, and those are forecasts, there's a lot of things that can change. So we're up 12 to 14 dollars per hundredweight on calf prices, the fourth quarter of 2020 versus the fourth quarter of 2019. So as we get also closer into the fall, if we start getting bids in Nebraska that are, you know, 175, 185, maybe even higher on some of our high quality five to six weight steer calves for the fourth quarter, for sales in in late 2020. We may want to take some of those bids if they're appropriate to where the potential is. The potential is for a higher calf market than we had in 2019. In fact, we're looking at a higher calf market than we posted in 2017. So it's been a struggle in 2019, but it's still time to keep a sharp pencil and look at marketing opportunities and how the grass develops and adjust your production and your marketing plans and uh, try to take advantage of some of the situation that may very well uh, come to fore here in 2020. And 2021 probably looks even a little bit better. We're more worried about a US recession, worldwide economic slowdown in 2021, but the US calf crop will continue shrinking in 2021. So producers need to keep that in the back of their mind. as so they're making their long-term management plans This is a time to put some thought into those plans uh, because we are cyclically in a different market over the next two years than we probably have been in the last two or three years.
0: Thanks for those thoughts and perspective, Jim. I appreciate you joining me today. It's been my pleasure, Eric. For more information on Jim Robb and the Livestock Market Information Center, I'd encourage you to visit their website, which is lmic.info. There you can also find market updates, as well as commentary on livestock market conditions.